Welcome to Conversations. And now, from Los Angeles, here's your host, Mike Dowler. Thank you, Sean, from Los Angeles. It's Mike Dowler, and this is Conversations Radio. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Converse Radio, like the shoe without the E, at Converse Radio. On Facebook, it's simply Conversations the Podcast, and Instagram, it's at Conversations Radio. Hey, if you like what you hear or don't like what you hear, by all means, drop me a line, or don't, either way. Uh, conversationspod at gmail.com. I love hearing from you folks. Absolutely love hearing from you. And uh, again, this is episode number 76. Tonight's guest is the lovely Allie Colleen. We'll talk to her in just a second. Last week, we had Debbie Derryberry. She is the voice of Jimmy Neutron. She is also on a show now on Netflix called F is for Family. I know what you think it's for, but it's F is for family. She plays Maureen Murphy on there. And again, uh, she has voiced everything and just a phenomenal voice artist here in Southern California. That podcast is up and it's also on Apple Podcasts. So go to the iTunes store, search Conversations Radio and voila. They're all tucked in quite nicely. All 75, soon to be 76 episodes. Check it out. Great, great podcast. And you check out her website as well. It's uh, Debbie Derryberry. That's uh, D-E-B-I-D-E-R-R-Y-B-E-R-R-Y.com. And um, she gives lessons as well, which is really cool. So check that out. And more great podcasts on the way. My co-host tonight, love this guy. Great friend of mine, returning guest. Um, you know him as uh, the lead frontman for Ambrosia. And there's a story about that as well. He's worked with Elton John, Michael Jackson, uh, Mike McDonald, American Idol, uh, AGT. He has done it all. Celine Dion. I mean, just a lot. And he's also a mentor and a teacher, too. So he kind of gives back that way as well. Want to welcome back to Conversations Radio, my friend, my pal, and now he's much better, feeling better, uh, Ken Stacy. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great after all that, my friend. My yeah. goodness. How you been? My book rate just went up. Thank Did you very much. <laughs> Literally. Uh, how you I'm been? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good, I'm doing good. very, very well. and so happy that you asked me to be a part of this and to get to know Allie. And oh my gosh, incredible. So excited to be a part of this. The 76th 6th and most important episode you will ever do, my friend. Right? Yeah. You've yeah. had, uh, is that a guitar I just saw? You're it was, it okay. was. I was going to um, pluck along with that the, um, nifty little country tune you had going on. In the you've had a... You've had an interesting last few months. Obviously, yeah. um, the word is out that uh, you have uh, left Ambrosia as their front man. I have. A wonderful have. run with them. Thank you. It was a wonderful run. Um, I had been with them for about seven years straight and was with them back in about 06 for about two and a half, three years. Um, and it was great. Um, they're a wonderful band, beautiful group of people, incredible music, obviously, an incredible pedigree of music and it was a great experience and a great opportunity, but it was time to move on and make opportunities for new things in my horizon. And sometimes in life, the only way to reach the next shore is to lose sight of the one you were on and you got to let go of it. And I had to let go. It was just a lot of things came to be and it was very apparent that it was time for me to, to swim and swim hard. 
Well, I'm still swimming out in the middle of the ocean. That's all right. We'll and and again, you, your resume speaks for itself. So obviously, um, you've got quite a bit to fall back on. You're not one to rest on your laurels, uh, much like our guest I'm tonight. I'm sitting on my laurels right sitting, now, actually. <laughs> not, not resting on them. Exactly. I'm sitting on them, but, you know, that's another conversation. It's always about moving forward and growth. And, um, you know, you come to a point in your career, you do this long enough, and um, it's it's whatever that might be, look like as a recording artist or, or wherever you may lie and land in this career. Um, there comes a point, at least for me, where it, it shifted over to purpose as opposed to um, kind of uh, trying to meet any accolades that I wanted to have for myself as a sure. singer and an artist and a writer and a, and a recording artist. So now at this stage in my life, it's very much about purpose and making room for that within the realm of my career. And that's why I'm so excited that you did ask me to do this, because I think the world of you, Mike, and I love this program, and you always bring on fantastic guests. Thank you. And and I have to say again, when you told me about Ali, and I really got a chance to dig into what she's all about, um, tremendous respect on many levels for you, Ali, because um, you are really taking the, given given your 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 history, your life, your family, everything, um, you're really taking the path less uh, chosen, and um, you're you're doing this with tremendous integrity. And I really I have lots of questions for you because I, I admire what you're doing. And I looked at a lot of your interviews, and I wanted to kind of find where where what has somebody not asked you yet? <laughs> Let's bring her in live yes. from Nashville. It's the one, the only Allie Colleen. Allie, how are you? Hi, good afternoon, you guys. How are you? What time is it there, by the way? It's like, you're too... It's night. Oh. It's It's bedtime. It's It's very much night. It's like, it's almost nine, so we're just two hours ahead of y'all. Yeah, we still have daylight here, so it's like, I'm looking out the window and we have the trees blowing and there's a lot of sunshine. Kind of humid. I just watched the last go down. I... I um, had I was just thinking eight, not eight thirty. So I was already at eight, and I was like, "I'm not thirty minutes." And I went and I sat in my hammock, kind of watched the sun went down, and may or may not have fell asleep. So I'm ready. I'm here. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> it was nice. And, and, and how are how are things in Nashville? Are things kind of closed down there, like like they are in LA. Not uh, no, I don't. I wouldn't say it's anything. Probably like LA. I think y'all are doing a much better job than we are at staying closed <laughs> down. Um, I do think the downtown strips pretty closed down as it should be. Um, but as far as like Midtown and those kind of places, which is just like Broadway, yeah. it's all open. Mm-hmm. You can go do whatever you want. <laughs> That's got to be rough for for musicians because Nashville has got it happening and a lot of music going on. Um, you know, with the Opry, the Nashville Palace. Now things are shut down. That's kind of like just it's all gone virtual. I know, and and I'm not sure if if Opry's still doing it or if they finally did really shut down. But I know they were keeping it virtual, like you said, for a while. And um, it's really tough for musicians on on every kind of aspect, you know, because there's there's shows to be played, right? The bars downtown want to make money. It's all they care about, and 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 you can go downtown and play right now if you want to. Um, And we did it for a little bit there. And, and we're playing downtown and things like that. But it just, I, it's just tough when, when, when there are people that are doing the right thing right. and they are staying home, you know, and you know, they want to be out just as bad as I do, but they're staying home. So we, we've kind of backtracked in the last couple of months and really started staying home. We kind of just did what we wanted at the beginning, but now my husband and I have basically just been home for and forever. You, and you and Ken mm-hmm. have some common ground. You guys are both COVID-19 survivors. 
So yes. Ken, I'm so happy I, you're healthy uh, and good. Uh, back at you. Yeah. I mean, I I think I got a few years on you. So fortunately, my <laughs> my I'm I'm in that potential demographic. But yes, when when did you get it? I got it um like Fourth of July weekend. Mm. And uh, what- not from that my symptoms were kind of already there but my my test came back right around that weekend okay and Um, what did you feel what did you go through um you know i lost my taste and smell as as i think everybody does and then Mm -hmm. um you know covid they always talk about how it brings out all those secondary infections for people so with me being that kid that had tonsillitis till i was like 16 i had a really hard time with the throat thing i had like sores and stuff all over my throat and that was really the biggest problem for me um the breathing thing was tough but i didn't really move for a lot of days so it really never got that bad wow Um, but mine was just a sore throat more so than less well i'm so happy that you were able to make this through well and um yeah i mine was uh i got hit really hard for about 24 hours i ended up in the hospital oh really yeah but it didn't it didn't hit my what what people, um, there's, you know, we, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot oh, of right. information that's not it out there. It all goes like this. Yeah, it goes yeah. like <laughs> that. That's right. Uh, it does not, it hits everybody differently. And for some people, it does hit the, the respiratory more. And for other people, it goes right to the neurology. And that's what happened for me. Um, I ended up almost having, I ended up having severe tremors, a very high fever. I could barely mm. talk. Um, it was pretty intense. It was pretty crazy. Um, but, um, and it took me a while, took me a while to really feel myself, even though I, you know, stayed low for and self quarantined my family for a couple of weeks, but it took, it took a couple of months to really start feeling right again. Where are you at? Where Where am I? Yeah. Are you in California? I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. Los Angeles, baby. Woodland Hills. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in Woodland Hills specifically. And it's interesting. You brought up you know, how they're approaching it in Nashville and LA and California, you know, California is, we are rocking and rolling right now. We've got a lot of cases here and, um, my family and I, we just went up to the central coast, uh, to Morro Bay for a family vacation. And, um, my wife and I have gone to the beach a couple of times. We've taken the boys. We've tried to get out where we can. And it's pretty astonishing. Just like the picture you painted, there are people that are really taking this seriously and really doing the appropriate thing and if you're going to be out social distancing masks even at the beach and there are plenty of people that just think this is <laughs> just yeah they thing. don't and i've got to ask it. in in california when you test positive did the state call you every day during your quarantine no what mm. happened for me is that this happened to me so early on that the tests were not available okay because they've talked about They've, my doctors have talked about me having it twice now, but my question was, because like me having tested recently, because I had the, everything that happened to me now happened sevenfold in February. And that was when like all the musicians in Nashville were sick and we all That's had right. worse right. than bronchitis, but it wasn't pneumonia and That's they gave right. you an inhaler and you couldn't taste and smell. So this is my second go around with it so far, I there think. There you go. Wow. But there having tested positive now when they are yeah. being really active about it, the yeah. state like Tennessee called me every single day of my quarantine and made sure I was staying home and asked me all my symptoms and they would check with me every single day and was really, really making sure that I was staying home. And so I've been so interested to know if, if people in other States, if that's the same thing that's happening, but it makes sense if you were a really early on person that that wouldn't be the case. 
Well, you know, it's very interesting, Allie, because when this happened to me, this I came down with this um, the weekend of March 7th. It was actually the last show that I did with Ambrosia in uh, Arizona. And I came back two days later and wham, and um, spent two weeks desperately trying to get, they couldn't test, they tested me for everything else at the hospital. Yeah. The only thing they couldn't test me for was COVID. Yeah. It was negative for everything else. And then I literally spoke to somebody at in Nashville, lovely lady um, at a healthcare center and she was so sweet and and folks like her i spoke to her and a few other people around to try to get some better information about what was going on because you kept hearing oh there's tests everywhere no there's not no <laughs> and i couldn't get tested so and not only that but what people also don't realize is that the um, antibodies test is a qualitative it is not quantitative qualitative means if you don't hit a threshold in your antibodies it just says you don't have it right so that's another problem. So we are so behind the curve on what it's going to take to really get us. So here we are. We've spent so much time here talking about COVID instead of you. I'm glad so you guys. You know, which is which is part. You know, you got COVID's doing a lot more it. things in the world than I am right now. It's yeah. just a conversation. It's just a conversation. And I, yeah. I'm glad you guys are okay. Um, yeah, and um, and Ali, well, welcome to Conversations know, it's, Radio. It's interesting. If you don't mind, Mike, I Go have ahead. a question for you. Ali, because I did notice on your calendar that you had a date on August 15th and November 21st. Are those still uh, August on the books? August got canceled today. Oh. Now, what about um, November 21st? It's November, still... we're thinking it looks good. That one's in Oklahoma. Okay. okay. Um, and, and right now it looks okay, but it's, it's also one of those events where we can cancel 48 hours ahead of time and it's not going to yeah. be the deal, you know? So I, okay. we're really holding on to it, I think. Yeah. Um, and those kinds of things, but I, there's no telling. Now, is there any conversation about, uh, I know you've been doing posts and you're staying, you're incredibly active in your social media connections. And I love it. I love the way you work with your fans and it's beautiful. Um, are you planning any more structured kind of a concert event for yourself online? Uh, if this continues to go the way it's going? We love the lives, um, and we've, we've yeah. really talked about finally getting. 2020 was was my year for band shows. I've been playing just mm. me and me and Betsy, me and my guitar for the last <laughs> forever, yeah. and it's just been us two, you know. And, yeah. and so this was my year for band shows. And, and as I'm sure everyone can relate, the day you schedule band practice is the day the show gets canceled. So yeah. we have yet to even like meet up. Like I know the guys mm. very well. Yeah. Um, we played some stuff together in town, but as far as my set that we had scheduled for 2020, we still have yet to rehearse. So we're getting together um, in a couple of weeks to do it. And we've talked about doing some lives with them and those kinds of things. Um, but I'm really bad social media with lives in the sense of I decide that morning I'm going to have a live, you know, cause uh, it's just me, you know, so I'll be like, yeah. you know what? I got some free time tonight. I'll make a post right now and we'll jump on for a while, you know, so I'm really bad at doing the structured, really promoting the, the live shows. Yeah. I mean, I say this selfishly because I would just love to see you in front of a band and really get the opportunity to do what you do. Um, just such a fan of your voice and your music. Um, I made a couple of notes here, but there was a couple of things that really stood out for me. Take up your arms. Did you write that? I did. Okay. I am just, <laughs> woohoo! That is such a beautiful song lyrically melodically it just 
flows. I'm a huge fan of great songwriting. And you know who my dream is for that song? Please tell me. Chris Stapleton. Oh, can you on. imagine Chris yeah. Stapleton yes. saying, "Take up your arms and put them around someone"? <laughs> How about you? Oh. Do a duet? How about you do a duet with Chris Stapleton? Come on! Oh, I would love <laughs> that to. That would be amazing. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's put it out there because that is an incredible song, and it's got such a timely message, and it's beautiful. I love it when somebody of faith finds a way to take their faith and reach out to a broader the way they right. write, you know, because I could see you going very much writing a record directly specifically with your faith. But I also love the fact that the, in your writing, I can hear that your faith influences it, but you also make a very universal message. And I got that in that song. And it was just, I got goosebumps because um, that was one of the things, you know, it's so it's, it speaks so much of a social consciousness too. And I think that with young artists coming up now, that's a really important thing now too, that that artists like you really have leave space for for social awareness and, and speaking that way. Yes, Mike. And I've noticed that about your writing, Allie. Your music lyrics and music seem to come from a real personal space. I mean, they're very personal to you. Yeah, I am um, as emotional of an artist as I am, and just a person. You show me literally any Facebook video in the world, I'm gonna cry. Like I'm just a <laughs> crier. It doesn't matter if it's happy, sad. If it's a Gatorade commercial and it's inspirational, I'm going to cry. <laughs> but um, as far as like really articulating how I feel and why I feel that way, not very good at it. You know, so ever since I was a kid, if I felt a certain way, I'd be like, Mom, I'm mad. And she'd be like, what are you mad about? And I'd be like, I don't know, but listen to this Evanescence song real quick. That's how I feel. <laughs> you know, so music has literally always been yeah. the outlet for me that I'm like, I don't know what this is. So for some reason, once you get me in that headspace of writing, I can tell you exactly how I feel. And it should be that but way. When it comes down to like articulating yeah. it, it's really tough for me. So so all my songs are, are normally something that I need to get out. And what's cool is, as personal it is for you, the listener, the audience is going to relate as well. Because you always have that one person says, I love that song. It means so much to me. It got me through a hard time. And they do. That's yeah. what music does. Yeah. It is a healer. Yeah. You are, um, you're from Oklahoma. You're an Oklahoma girl. I am. Now making your way in Nashville. And again, Oklahoma and Nashville, kind of different. I mean, a little bit the same, a little bit. Yeah, just a tad. I mean, just topography. Good Lord. We have like inclines here, like in Nashville. <laughs> it's insane. I always heard how flat Oklahoma was, you know, but I can I can remember the road I took to school every morning in Oklahoma. And it went like this, you yeah. know, and I was like, yeah. it's not that flat. We go up and down. This is fine. And then I came somewhere that had like, mountains and, yeah. <laughs> and wow, things yeah. like that and i was like what is this i remember when jonathan my husband and i we went through the smokies for the first time which is about mm. three hours from us here in nashville and i was yeah. like this is near us like you like this is a thing like here and jonathan was like yeah, yeah. Like, these are the smokies like welcome to tennessee because he's born and raised here yeah. and i'm uh, just like you get if you get lost in oklahoma just find a ladder find a ladder the top, you'll find home like that like it's insane so just just literally looking outside they're different worlds yeah. and then you get people mixed in and absolutely this place is so much different from home we didn't have anybody from the north in oh. oklahoma we've got people from the north, from the north. <laughs> wow. i'm just saying they say alley instead of alley <laughs> music happened for you early on obviously a lot of music in the house but 
not a lot of country. It was a lot of rock and roll and sports. So you kind of found your way. What At what point did you really say, you know, I think I want to do this, you know, mom and dad aside, but I want to do it on my own. I, obviously, uh, obviously, obviously college was a, was a prerequisite. Yeah. So, so, um, as far as me wanting to do music, I think it was, you know, one of my first thoughts as yeah. a, as a little, a little bean, you know, I just, I don't know. There's something about music that's always hooked me. And as soon as I could read, I dove into poetry and I loved poetry. I loved the really dark stuff. I loved Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe and all those kinds of wow. things. I loved the angst and all those kinds of things that he put behind it. And, um, I just really enjoyed it. And so I started writing poetry when I was really young. I think I wrote my first song when I was eight um, and just started from there. And it was, you know, probably the same song for like the same word for an entire chorus. Right. But it was it was a song and and it was special. And and um, I remember when it really came into fruition when I started playing guitar when I was 14 or 15 and I could actually, you know, play a song start to finish. That was mine. And that was really special. Who taught you to play guitar? Um, a man named Bob Pingle did in my hometown. Oh. He worked at a little music store, um, and he taught me. I went for about three months before soccer schedule really kicked in. So he taught me, you know, kind of the basics, and then I taught myself from there. And you, and you play, you play a Takamini now. Uh, I do. As, well, does, I, as does your dad, but yours has a hole in it. Beth What's with the hole? Takamini, and she's retired. <laughs> I'm staring at her. She's she's beautiful. <laughs> she's she's really awesome. Um, she was a gift from dad, and. And um, she's a Takamini, and most of my guitars are Takaminis, but right now I'm playing, I'm playing something different for the first time. I've got a Maiden, those Australian oh. guitars. Oh, yeah. Um, really and she's beautiful and bright and, and, yeah. and really cool. Her name's Bindi, and um, <laughs> we, we have yet <laughs> like to really it. go out on the road together, but oh, I'm very excited to. Well, don't let her, don't let her see Betsy because she'll be a little nervous. Yeah, there'll be you... a little uh, competition. <laughs> she does get a little, but, but Bindi has a pit guard. Betsy did uh. not have a pit guard. That's why she looks like hence that. Hence the warm, yeah, the wear mark. <laughs> how long, did, take, how long like did that hole take to, to dig out there? Oh, a year and a half. Wow. That's some busy playing. She's playing I've hard, learned, I've learned, um, so I grabbed the first pick I ever found, right? Like less than a medium and less than like a soft. It's like the flimsiest thing on the planet, you know, like playing with a piece of paper. Yeah. Sure. And that was just what I got comfortable with. So I never really experienced with different kinds of picks. And now, literally in the last couple months, I've figured out why Betsy looks like that. And it's just because, you know, when you're playing a show or something and it's just not loud enough, you know, especially yeah. in your ears or in your monitor. That's and right. I'm playing the crap out of that thing. That's so literally right. in just the last three months, I've moved to like a medium or hard pick. And Bindi's going to survive, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, She's going to make it. <laughs> you know, Brian Brian May from Queen, he plays uh, guitar with, uh, with pennies. He uses like English pennies. Yeah, he'll use a quarter... As a matter of fact, my favorite, Adam, my favorite pick to use here, my secret weapon, and whereas it's made out of platinum, and I hide it, and when I do guitars, I'll pull that pick out. It really? Something, yeah. So if you can ever get your hand on a Man. platinum pick, I don't know if I'm woman your, enough for that, but that's cool. <laughs> try it on your acoustic sometime if you do some acoustic overdubs, and you might find it very surprising. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you something because I also was loving your vocal on Along the Way. Oh. And that is such a cool tune. And that to me is probably from the things that I heard, like it, it has a lot of crossover element to it. It's kind of got a lot of pop element to it. And when I was listening to it, I was hearing, these were my things that I was hearing. Obviously I'm projecting stuff here. 
but I was hearing a little bit of the script, Coldplay, Train. Are yeah. these bands that you are hip to? They at all? are. They're real. I, I love all those things. And, yeah. and and along the way, in work in progress, we were trying to find this vein of Americana versus country. You know, sure. I wasn't sure what I wanted to, what I really wanted to sound like. And it's so interesting because of all the songs we've released, there's yeah. two producers, okay. and it's very it's very clear once you know who did what. So um, my first producer, which was the co-writer on work in progress, which was the first one we put out was Marcus Hummin. And so Marcus is very folky, right. And Barry and all those kinds of things. So, so all those ooze and all that stuff that comes into along the way, that's all Marcus. And Uh, I loved it. You know, I thought it catered to the song so perfectly. Sure. And so work in progress and along the way, that's Marcus. And then ain't the only hell and best friend and road you take those are um, my buddy Joe, and Joe has known me for years. So Joe actually really helped me knowing me because he knows how bad I want to be country, but he knows that I'm not. I've just never fit in with other girls that sing country, especially in the late 2000s, right? I don't really fit in with um, Ballerini, and I don't really fit in with right. Maddie and Tay, and I, that's, right. just, that's not who I am. Yeah. I'm I'm just trying to be some mix between Hillary Scott and Ashley McBride, but you know, kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so Joe was the first one who could really pull out that nineties country feeling that I love so much as a kid, yeah. But, still, yeah. but still not make it weird for me to do, you know? So, yeah. so there's a really interesting thing with artists just finding that producer, you know? And I think Absolutely. Marcus did a phenomenal job with work in progress and along the way, you know, and yeah. he put himself in those songs and did a really great job. I, I love that you love along the way. I don't feel like it gets enough love. It was one of the songs that we didn't put any money behind as far as promotion mm. goes. So mm. it's sitting at our smallest stream so far. And okay. I love that song. Um, I do too. Yeah. That's such a crossover tune. It's lovely. Well, and when you were speaking earlier about take up your arms and how you can use your faith to write this big universal thing right. along the way, it was not, wasn't, I guess, technically wrote in that way in the sense of, just in the last couple months, I listened to along the way, and it's it's literally what God tells us every day. You know, yeah, like yeah. go and climb your mountains, but please make it back. Like yeah. right. go and That's see right. the world and ask your questions and find out your stuff. But at the end of the day, come home to me. Like yeah, you know, and I need you, and you need me. And so, mm-hmm. for the first time in the last couple of months, along the way has became very spiritual for me. Whereas in the beginning, it was about my best friend, mm-hmm. and now it, it's this very spiritual calling of of pursuing life and still staying close to God and finding those, those ways to do it. Speaking about uh, being spiritual, um, ain't the only hell. What was the uh, story behind that? My, uh, there's this photograph of my mama and she's on her lawnmower and, and she's got her bikini. She wore this um, Budweiser bikini top and she always wore those Ace Hardware little gardening, you know, things around. (laughs) And so she, um, so she's on the lawnmower and I'd seen the picture a thousand times and, yeah. and, um, it was what it was, but for the first time as of recent, you know, I saw that picture and I thought about, you know, just that woman that mom left behind when she became a mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought about, and I've gotten to see my sister become a mom in the last Aww. seven years, which is crazy. And, and getting to watch my sisters become moms and watching them leave a little bit of themselves behind to take on, yeah. put on that mom hat. And sure. I think, I get stuck kind of trapped in this mindset of my parents were put on this earth to take care of me, sure, make sure I'm good. Give me what I need. You know, like that's it. Like, they're my parents, you know, and they've done and, a great and, job. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. But I, I forget about the people that they left behind to take on That's parents, right. you know, and those sure. kinds of things. And so Ain't the Only Hell is just a huge tribute to moms. I have two amazing moms that are hell-raising women and know what they want and go and get it. And, and they're so strong and beautiful and, and confident. And so everything I am is because of who they are. And so that's what Ain't the Only Hell's about. And then you hit that kind of tongue-in-cheek chorus because you go into that second verse and you 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 hear the conversation that I got to have with my mom about all the stuff she used to do. Yeah. And it was all stuff I was not allowed to do. Yeah. So that's where that chorus comes in of, Mom, you can't expect me to learn from something I've never tried. That's, that's you know, like, you had to go out and do it. Sorry, I'm sneaking out. I'm going right. to do it, right. you know? It's either that or they, they're like, you did that? When did, you, when did you do that? You know, and they give you this. Yeah. I got this song ready. If you want to hear it, guys, Let's ain't the it. only Almost. ain't the only hell mama raised. It's Ali Colleen right here on Conversations Radio.
love Ain't that. the only hell mama raised Allie Colleen right here on Conversations Radio. Lying from Nashville. My God, Allie. That is just amazing. And, uh, you, you know, much. Ken, when she gets up in the morning, she knows what she's doing. It's like, I'm going to write a song. And, uh, and there I you love go. Thank you on the It was a special ride for me, too. My, my buddy Carlene and I, we got together that night, and she was playing me some melodies and things like that. And we grabbed onto one, and we started talking about what we wanted to ride over it. And the night kind of got away from us, and we just started talking. And I looked at her at the end of the night, and I was like, I know exactly what I want to write this song about. And what it's my you, mama. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to do that. And Carlene goes, go for it. What did Carlene's you, got the melody, and I got to just sit and write. And it, what it did, was really What did mama think of that, though? Mom, my mom couldn't be more proud of me. She's, <laughs> she's so, my everybody who knows my mama will say this. There's nothing like watching my mom watch me sing. I can't oh. do it because I just cry. But my mom <laughs> loves it. And, and and I'll give you guys a little a little Easter egg. The second verse was different in the beginning. It was something different. And it involved both my parents. It involved mom and dad and, and something they used to do when they were kids. And um, I kept listening to it and listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. And, you know, I, I love my dad and my dad supports the world out of me, you know, sure. but we just try and keep our life separate just sure. because people don't understand that he's my dad, right? right. He's always going to be who he is to them. And to me, he's just right. dad. So I thought about mama and I thought about, I mean, how often does mom get to just be a part of something too that dad's not a part of, you know, right. as far as like recognition and things like that go. So we went back and we changed the second verse and we made it all about mom. That's and mom great. lit up the first time she heard the song, but the time she heard the second second verse, she was blown away, you know, and you could tell it was kind of the first time that it was all about Sandy for the first time. Yeah. And, and it again, was really special for me to get to do that. And again, your dad is Garth Brooks and of course, uh, amazing musician. And again, you've laid your own trail and mom, Sandy and your dad have done a phenomenal job. And I saw the, I saw the documentary and what struck me, Ken, is that, that her dad walked away from the business for, I want to say, like 13 years to raise the mm-hmm. kids. Literally, it was all about the family. How many years? Yeah. 20. 20 at years. At least. Jeez. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and then yeah, because he, he, he was he, retired when I, when I was born, basically. You know? And then he went back on the road when I was 17. So it was it was pretty close to... Yeah. Probably a little shorter than that, but it was a long time. It was but, a long time. But every day you had a parent there, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, well, those are parents that uh, prioritize the right way, and it's very easy when you have that big career to to let that be the thing, you know, and let mom, right. somebody else do all the raising. And obviously, it's had a tremendous influence on you to, that he made that decision. And I believe that the universe rewarded him for that. I think it's one of the reasons it rewarded everybody, right? He yeah. took that time away to be a part of your life through those instrumental years. And then at the same time, God turned around and said, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> They're ready <laughs> for you again. Yeah. yeah, let's. I know. I never thought I'd be in a competitive music market with the man. And with the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, one day, when are you going to find right. a second hobby? That's like, right. No, it's not going to happen. But you and your dad are always going to be out making music. Oh, but he's amazing. But um, I wanted to ask you a couple. Oh, Jody Messina. I remember seeing her live concert. You mentioned that she is such a big influence on you. And this is many, many years ago. A very dear friend of mine, um, producer, songwriter that I've done a lot of work for, and just a great guy, Kevin Savagar, who's 
also gone on to produce lots of stuff for Rod Stewart, co-wrote lots of hits with him. But he wrote the song Not Going Down, which he had. Yeah. And and he at that time, I went out to see her at the Universal Amphitheater, I believe it was the it was the Greek. Man, I'll tell you what, what a performer. And when you talk about it's interesting when you said earlier, you know, you don't quite fit in with the ballerina or the, you know, ballerini or those artists. And you're trying to find your own way to take those influences, you know, and that was Jody, right? I mean, she was not, uh, you know, she was not right down the middle of the lane. She wasn't really different. And she wasn't writing about. I don't think, I mean, I do feel like women of that time that were doing country music were really good about writing songs that everybody cared about, right? I think right. that's a really yeah. big trouble that women are having right now, me included, right. is trying to find material that does cross those gender boundaries where dudes are going to like us, you know? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. it's really tough to find that subject matter that's going to yeah. get us male fans. Yeah. And Jody Messina sings about a silver thunderbird the same way I sing about a man, you know? And it's just yeah. like, holy crap, that's, that's right. cool. <laughs> and yeah. And I think she's so cool. We had, um, we were supposed to play the Comstock Festival this okay. summer. And I'd messaged her on Instagram, just praying mm-hmm. she'd respond. And she started responding to me. And we've been talking on Instagram and those kinds of things. And we were going to finally meet each other at the Comstock Festival. And that has been the most devastating show loss for me this summer was I didn't get to meet Jody Messina. I'm so sorry. It's well, okay. She is, she is something, isn't she? And I remember getting the opportunity to meet her briefly uh, i think it was after the show and yeah there's something about her her energy that's so palpable and so powerful she's an incredibly powerful human being yes and uh you know that's that's a beautiful influence for you to to model after as a woman as an artist um and find that i mean that's a really important thing for you to to do as a songwriter to find that voice because we are in a time of flux aren't we and it's really important for you to to find those words, to find those messages that are going to be a part of the, the broader dialogue. And that's what I was uh, one of my things earlier. You know, I get this feeling from you because it's so interesting having grown up around music. And even though you made a point of sharing with everybody in the interviews and in your life where, you know, music was not discussed, it was just something that was going on and for whatever reasons it wasn't talked about, which I think it was a lot of ways was really great for you because, you know, sometimes when somebody grows up with such successful parents or co-parents, you know, a lot of life can be eclipsed. And it sounds like you had the opportunity to just have life and find your own way and find your And, you know, one of the things that I think is so critical now more than ever, and I get this sense from you, is, you know, you can be a fame-driven artist or you can be a purpose-driven artist. And I get this feeling from you that you're a purpose-driven artist. And I think that that's really wonderful. Because what do you think about that when I say that to you? I say this not at all to allude to us as any kind, as if we're on any kind of platform together, right? But Christ walked this earth for purpose Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. popularity, you know? Yeah. So that is what I will do. Yeah. I'm here for, and you mentioned it earlier, Mike, you know those songs that you hear that the writer probably wrote 100% about themselves, right? Yeah. One thing about anyone else just wrote it, but I hear it. And as a 14-year-old girl listening to a Taylor Swift album, sure. that song was written for me, you yes. know, like that she saw me. And to be seen at 14 when social media was coming out, that was a big deal. Just to, to be able to feel seen is such an 
a crucial thing in this life. And so as a songwriter and as an artist, that's what I was put here to do is to make people feel seen. So I'm not one of those artists that's going to in the right go to what's the most universal message we can go for. Yeah. I want to hit one person. I don't right. care if it's just one person, right? A nurse should have an anthem for herself. Sure, she absolutely. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. This is the beauty of country music. And uh, I, I hear it in your music. I hear it in your dad's music. I hear it in your, your stepmom's music as well. It's storytelling. Country music's always been about, been about storytelling, which is phenomenal yeah. for me. And I, I get very emotional as well. Um, I mean, obviously, when I watched the documentary... Um, it brought back just a, a slew of memories of, of music. And I say that because it's been great to see women evolve in country music. Because if you go back to like, you know, like the, 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 the Tammy Wynette and Patsy Cline, which are phenomenal, they're icons, but right. they were they were kind of in that box. And I think, you know, you, you had you had classic country and then prime country, and now it's today's hot new country. And, and you kind of slid right in there and you can you can experiment and do all this stuff and really the results that you have found with your collaborations have been phenomenal great great songs with thank you with, with, like with purpose with with a yeah. message you know yes best friend now you just released this i did was we this like a was last this a last Friday, minute thing so or, mm. was it like a last minute decision you do this or no, no, no. We we had we had it for for a while. We wanted to. Uh, I'm a Leo. My birthday was hey. on the 28th, and Happy so uh, oh. thank you so much. And so we had we'd been alluding to a long time that we were going to give out a birthday present, you know. Aww. And 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 um, we had been promoting Best Friend, um, but it was really really tough because we put out Best Friend and Road You Take as a concept collection, um, because it's just really special. So let me backtrack a little bit. Best Friend. I wrote um, in 2018 with three of my favorite co-writers. I wrote it with Dallas Remington and Scott Barrier and Cindy Torres. And I remember showing up that day and going, you guys, we're going to write a love song the country has just overlooked its whole life. And I need you to help me keep it sweet because I ain't got nothing but bitterness in my heart right now. And I need, so that's why I have three co-writers on this song. Because I was like, you guys got to steer me away from what I really want to say about this person. And, um... And I just, I'd, I'd lost my best friend. You know, we, we, we'd lived together and we had a life together and all these things. And she, mm. um, she was so special to me and I don't know, we were just in different seasons and I didn't have a clue about it at the time. And, and, um, I came home one day and she'd moved out and I was just devastated and I was heartbroken and, and nobody was checking on me. You know, if I changed my relationship status on Facebook because my four month boyfriend and I broke up, people would check on me. Yeah. But my best friend of, of my life was disappearing from my Instagram posts and nobody was checking on me, you know, mm-hmm. and I was so frustrated and I was so angry. And so we wrote this beautiful song called Best Friend. And it's just no one breaks a heart like a best friend because you put everything into these relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes they don't work out. And so we were really lucky to go on the road and, and play best friend for a couple of years and have a really, really amazing crowd response to it. Um and there was always some woman at the end of the night that was typically very intoxicated and was so <laughs> ready to talk about this relationship that she had. Sure. Right? And, it, and it was so fun and it was so special to get to share just that moment with a lot of women and, and do that kind of thing. But then there was this other group of women who would come up that had these really amazing 
just like rekindling stories, you know, whether it was five years or 15 years or whatever it was, they got back together and they figured it out and it might not have been magical and they might not have ever got back to where they were, but that anger got to go somewhere finally, you know, and it got to disappear. And I was so envious and I was so just jealous of that whole thought. And and my friend Mel came to me um, not too long ago and she was the co-writer on this song called Road You Take. And Mel came to me that morning and she was like, Al, I've got this song and the hook line of it, I think would settle somewhere around. Forgiveness ain't a line you cross. It's a road you take. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mel, wow. get that crap out of here. Like, <laughs> in my life right now. I'm angry. You were not hearing that. I was <laughs> not. I was like, that's great. Write it with someone else. Right. Like, let's do it. Let's sit down. Let's do it. Off. It was my only very successful Zoom write of Corona. I've got the and, song here. We're going to go over just a few minutes. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Let's listen to Best Friend. I'm sorry. And then I'll talk about it. No, no, we're good. Yeah. This is Best Friend. This is new music from Ali Colleen. Best Friend here on Conversations Radio.
Ali Colleen on Conversations Radio, best friend. Wow. Definitely a message there. <laughs> you got your point yeah. through. Love it. Sure did. Hey, can I make a couple of thoughts? Absolutely. I, I, I want to I say something to you just as a singer. And one of the things that I love about listening to you sing and listening to your recordings, and you know this as a songwriter and performer, as a singer, because you know, you have a fantastic instrument and that instrument can go a lot of places. And what I really love about your choices and it really shines on that song is that you're really using your instrument to, to honor the message. And I love how your bends and your turns and your transitions so fluidly carry the message and they're musical, but they don't get in the way. Nothing about it says, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's, just, it's just a beautiful flowing Thanks. expression. I love that. It's beautiful. And it's something that I noticed in all your, your performances. You, you, again, if you wanted to, you could, you could tear it up even further. And I'm sure a lot of you go crazy. <laughs> but what's great about your, your recordings is you're really honoring the song. And yeah. you do it in such a beautifully musical way. And if I could also ask you that... Who was the producer? These tracks are so beautiful. Who was the producer on that one? So Ain't the Only Hell and Best Friend and Road You Take are all Joe Costa. They're all Joe Costa. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Does he have a team of guys out there? Because there's a consistency there that I'm really loving. And the treatment, he's being so thoughtful about what, how he's supporting you vocally and lyrically and melodically. And there's so many beautiful tasteful moments in the musicianship but none of it distracts from Joe's so good about it. and and like i said that was the amazing thing about having joe do it is joe and i were were really good friends before we ever worked together you know joe is in a joe's in a duo with his wife it's joe and martina and they're amazing they're very talented yeah. um and and they're doing um the country thing just like i am those kinds of things so we've just been friends for a really long time yeah. and joe's seen me perform live for years. And I think that's a really big thing with it is, is Joe did get to live with these songs for a long time, just acoustically okay. and had that time to right. kind of build it. But all of these songs between ain't the only hell and best friend and road you take were all songs that were recorded during Corona. So mm. I'm a very old school person. If we're going to record, we're going to meet in the morning. We're right. going to do all our stuff, <laughs> right? We're going to go to lunch. We're going to come back. It's going to be a whole day. That's I true. haven't met any of the players on these songs. Wow. Yeah. We what, still that's... have a lunch date to find. So Joe knew say... all the players and picked them all and knew exactly who to pick. Like Joe was literally just the mastermind behind all of it. it was, and it's he's brilliant. very special. And through it all, which was really cool is uh, obviously the vocal is fantastic. The stories are wonderful and it doesn't get lost with all the other music. It's, it's, there's a lot of music going on there. A lot going on there. A lot of, you know, yeah. what, they, what they call fairy dust, as you say. But again, you're still shining through there, and yeah. yet the music, the backing, just totally fits. Thank you. Know? you. It was and really, really awesome, and it was actually the second time that we've recorded "Best Friend," um, not with Joe, but we we recorded it once in the future, and it just didn't it didn't yeah. capture what it needed to, you know, kind of thing. And 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 so to get to do it a second go around and still distance ourselves from the first time, like I'm just so proud of the project. It well, it's good to so have it's good to have that time as well. Um, that you can go in and say, look, you know what? Let's do this again. I'm not quite yeah. where I want it to be. And uh, yeah. it's good to have that because in, in, in back in back in Ken's day, 
<laughs> you know, um, studio studio time was kind of pricey. Um, Back in Ken's day, we all used to stand around one microphone. Yeah. And was, <laughs> <laughs> you got it in one take, and you didn't get it at all. Yeah, no, not, that's not. insane. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I first started and all with my career, you know, it was all still analog tape and twenty-four inch and all that stuff. And then as things began to move into the digital realm, I became so fascinated when I would do session work and see that those little digital yeah. <laughs> yeah. but the yeah. systems would crash constantly and you couldn't get a workflow and you you know it was it was crazy making. But now my gosh, it is extraordinary what artists can do. Yes. In the comfort of their own home. And look yes. at look at what you're creating during this period. Yeah. Right. You've got a brilliant producer, amazing musicians, which we know Nashville truly has some of the finest musicians on the face of the planet and great producers. And with, you know, this whole satellite recording process has been going on for a while now. Right. So it's amazing. And what a testament that you and Joe could put out something so right. Right. It's just so amazing during this period you would have thought you were all in there together at the same time. It was beautiful. <laughs> I wish we were, but I wouldn't change a thing about what came out of it, you know? So I'm so grateful. Yeah. I want to hear about your performance uh, at the Grand Ole Opry, because that is, Ooh, um, that's yeah. like a rite of passage. So tell me about that experience for you. I still have yet to have my Opry debut, right? So I oh. still, I'm still going to do that. I'm going to earn my chops and I'm going to do that. But I got to perform um, as part of the Ralph Stanley tribute. Oh, that they wow. had at the Opry. So I got to perform um, The Fields of Turn Brown, um, which oh me loving sad stuff. I was all about <laughs> it. <laughs> I was like, this song's great. This is the saddest thing we've ever heard. I love mm. this song. And so I got to perform that as well as um, that was the first time I ever played Take Up Your Arms Anywhere. And to play that on the Opry stage oh. was amazing. And to get a standing ovation right after that first chorus, I couldn't what? sing the rest of the song. I was just bawling. It was the best <laughs> night I've ever had. And it was so funny because my 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 parents never get to watch me sing, right? They never really have since I was a kid because if my dad showed up at my performance, it wasn't about me anymore. Yeah. You know, and he knew that and he understood that and he was very good about it. So my parents my parents don't get to watch me sing ever. And well, now um, you, now it wasn't until work. someone finally started taking videos of my shows that my parents even got to see it. So all that to say, he came to the Opry that night and watched Aww. me sing at the Opry. And it was so special. And we were talking that night and he goes, so kid, tell me about that circle. And I was like, I ran. I go, I was like, it's the coolest thing in the world, right? And he goes, I'll tell you what, my, my first time being on this stage, I just walked around it for a long time and I, yeah. I didn't want to step in it. I didn't feel like mm. I was I was meant to step in the circle. And I just kind of looked at him and I go, well, I don't know what this says about me, but I hauled my butt and jumped in the circle. You're like, like let's go. Yeah. I was so excited to get my feet in that circle. Then he goes, you're a brave kid. I was like, I don't know if I did something wrong, but I was so excited. To get I'm my so feet glad he was there, yeah. though, because obviously yeah. he has played there and he has talked about that experience. Everyone has. It's played that. It's, it's amazing. That is the rite of yeah. passage in country music. And they're able to do that and he was there that's a cool thing and again it's the really opry special. so they're not going to bother him and again now if you want to see it at, play at a show he just wears a mask you know you just <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was the opry and they said and the only reason i invited him to that show 
was because they said that they were going to have, it was such a big tribute show, right? They had so many artists, they weren't going to let people backstage. Right. If you weren't performing, you couldn't be backstage. So I was like, this is safe. I'll invite sure. him, he'll come. They did not keep backstage private. And my dad ended up having to stay there for three hours after my performance. Oh my. We didn't get to go and like have dinner together or oh, anything wow. like that, yeah. like we were supposed to. So it's like, there's such a give and take with everything. But you got you know, to like, step in the circle. So that's, that's the thing. Well, I wanted to ask you a couple of things that might be, I, I love doing interviews. I'd like to kind of go kind of at a different angle on this. And, and obviously you're very thoughtful about the process and that's very apparent. You're really taking your time in so many different ways and you've got some great people around you. That's very apparent too. From your point of view, I'd love to hear because you're going to, you are now because people are watching you. They are, they are learning from you. They're growing from you. Young artists, especially young female artists that are watching you blossom and build your career up. They're going to be looking to you to guide their way. What do you say right now that you feel are the three traits about you that are really lending the most to your blossoming success? So my what a trait of my my own that I am I'm most proud of and again gets me in the most trouble is my honesty. Okay. I couldn't lie to you if I tried. Yeah. And um I have a really really hard time right now in this industry with this whole I don't know if it's like this in LA for you guys but in Nashville nobody wants to tell each other how they got where they're at. You right. know, it's almost yeah. like everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, you just reached a million streams. How did you do it?" And they're like, figure it out one day. Good luck. And it's just like, <laughs> why? And I get so frustrated with it. So, so right now a big thing that we're doing, and I don't know if it's bad because I don't see anybody else doing it. I don't know if I'm mm -hmm. missing something or being silly, but people will come up to me and, and, and they'll ask about success, especially younger artists. And I write with a lot of young girls and, and they have all these questions and, and I'm to the point where I'm, I'm giving them my budgets. I'm like, here you go. Like, this is mm -hmm. what I spent on this song. This is how I got sure. this because I know music's magical and I know that we think that it's still this amazing thing even though it's secular and that it's just this like spiritual place of whatever mm -hmm. but it's a it's a business, it's yeah. a business. music oh, yeah. is a business and I don't understand why that's not apparent to people so kids come to town and they just work their butts off and sometimes that's not enough and I'm that's so true. glad you mentioned that Ken we've talked about this before and you work yeah. with a lot of young talent a lot of musicians uh yeah not 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 just the ones on american idol and and whatnot but through your master classes and you're very very keen and to the point about injecting reality about that well you know at, uh, yes and what ali just said which is so important you know it i don't care who you are you can come to this world and come to this business in a, in in a in two basic ways you can either see it as a place of abundance or you can see it come to it from a place of lack and i don't care if you've got gold records and platinum records on the wall the people that are gonna well good luck to you you figure it out right yeah i really firmly believe that um that that the universe rewards and you can come to it in different ways just like i asked earlier and my observation, you know, when you come to a place from purpose, it's no longer about you. 
right? You're fulfilling right. your purpose. You were brought here to serve a purpose. Right. And if you can come to your career that way, then for instance, for Allie, I, you know, as it's turned out, you can see you're very, you're very whole, Allie. You, you know, we all have our shortcomings and our difficulties and our challenges, the things that we have to get over. But on a general speaking term, you come across and, and very truthfully and honestly as a very whole person. That's the way I like to see people and like, the way I like to mentor when I'm mentoring young artists. I want them to get to that place of purpose early on because yeah. God help you if you do get that success and yeah. it is not about purpose and it is that fine yeah. little razor's line about fame and the choices and the compromises you're going to have to make because you're trying to ride that, you know, that horrible edge right. as opposed to taking the longer view and staying in that purpose and yeah. letting it mature and grow beautifully so that every time you take the stage, right, you can take that stage feeling 100% whole and complete. There's, you're not carrying any of that garbage with you. And that's critical. And I hear that in your music and I think it's beautiful. And, um, and, and, and again, it's courageous of you to, and beautiful that your dad and your family have created this space for you because it yeah. would be disingenuous to you as a person and as an aspiring artist to say, I'm going to show you the, I'm going to do, do for you what you really need to right. learn to right. do. And, and if I see you really going down the wrong path, we can talk about that then. Mm -hmm. There's a certain level at which you need to get out there and, and find your way. But I love that you come from that place of abundance and you're willing to share with other people. And in here in LA, it's it depends on the circles that you're in. You know, okay. there are certain circles where per, people are very close to the chest about their info. There are other circles where, man, there are people that are so generous. Yeah. I'm so lucky that I work with some incredibly generous Heart, you know, generous people that have literally made yeah. my career possible yeah. because they came from that place of abundance. And they're also, they have a very strong faith, you know, so there you go. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, to answer your question, my second trait, Jonathan, my husband. Uh, oh, how'd you, how'd, you, how'd you guys meet, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, we met on, we met on, we met on um, Tinder, I swear, really? right? Got my husband. <laughs> It was a great day. It was like online shopping at Kroger, but I got a husband, and <laughs> and uh, we did. We met about we met about five or six years ago on 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 Tinder. And he passed yeah. the uh, litmus test with your parents. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. He 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 came over one time. Um, my my parents weren't home; they were out of town, and and um, he came over, and that was the first time we met because I wasn't gonna just introduce him to dad the first time I met him, and yeah. we were hanging out and. And uh, it's so funny. There's this. There was this picture of on the mantle at the time um, of Dad and I actually performing together oh, no. um, at at one of at one of his stadium shows or one of the, the things or whatever on, on a rare chance that we got a picture of it. And 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 he kind of walked over and he looked at it, and I was thinking, oh crap! Like here it goes. He's gonna know. <laughs> and he turns around to me and he goes, "Did you sing with Jason Aldean?" <laughs> <laughs> good very good. i love that and it was awesome he's literally That's the most so amazing cool. thing on the planet he does everything for me he worked so hard um to get through college and do everything on scholarships and wrestled and, and he was such an athlete but he um 
he got a, a placement in teaching really early on out of college oh. and he was a teacher. And, and so I watched him get to do that and I have narcolepsy, so I can't, um, drive very far. Okay. Um, and so I hit this wall, you know, you know, getting here to Nashville because I can't drive more than 20 minutes and, and I play by myself. You know, I don't have a band to drive me anywhere. I don't mm. have any things. And, and I was hitting those walls and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I would, you know, I didn't, I just didn't know what to do. And yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan quit his job like that. Wow. When he quit his job and he, and he, he stayed home with me and we budgeted out how we were going to play double shows now that he was just going to be with me all the time. Mm. And he didn't hesitate at all to give up what he'd been working on for forever to come on the road. That's incredible. So Jonathan is, is the, the whole thing behind everything. (laughs) Jonathan makes everything possible. I just get to show up and sing. For sure. That's a beautiful song there. And what, what do you think that third trait is? I think it's, um, I'm a very realistic person. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, and I feel like sometimes that harms me a lot because I do not have a realistic God. Um, but I do find that I'm a very realistic person in the sense of I'm very, very hard on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm really hard on myself and I'm really, really hard on my songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's several writers in town that would not have kind words to say about me oh. <laughs> being in the writing room because I can be so hard sometimes and I can, yeah. and all those things. And so, but that's really, really helped me learn how to communicate in a business mm-hmm. where people are predominantly, I don't even want to say being untruthful, but everybody has an agenda, right? Everyone's sure. trying to yeah. make money. Everybody's yeah. trying to make their gains just like yeah. I am, all those kinds of things. So, so that's been a really big thing for me is, Part of me is I'm the most gullible thing on the planet. You can tell me anything, I'll believe it. But um, I just feel like I have a really good way of, of of just reading people, and I've been very lucky in the people that I have around me. So so everything I think that comes down to Allie Colleen is the support system behind it. You've got a great I was, team. I was able to come to town and, and find those people and hang on to yeah. them and, and beg them not to leave me and do this thing with me, you know, kind of thing. So. I would just think it's just really the people around me is probably what it comes down to. And that's, that's important because Ken will tell you in LA, there are a lot of people that are not quite what they seem to be that uh, promise you the world. And uh, especially with young talent, um, I hear horror stories. And and again, um, it sounds like uh, hopefully that's not the case in Nashville. I think it sounds a little uh, more legit. Can. Well, you're going to find, I, I think water seeks its own level. And I think that, that Ali, you obviously stay very true to your center and your value system. And I think I, it's not even a think, it's a no. You know, when we stay true to that, we're going to attract that which we seek. And yeah. you're going to find that. And I think it's, that's beautiful. And, and yeah. it's that honesty where, yeah, you can ruffle feathers and you can piss some people off but at least you're gonna know they're gonna know where you stand and i can sleep well at night you can sleep well <laughs> I, at night. pissing right. someone off being honest never gonna affect me <laughs> never gonna, gonna make very me quickly worry on about whether it. or not yeah and you're gonna know yeah. very quickly on whether or not you're gonna want them as a part of your team because if yeah. you can't be truthful and honest and yeah there's got to be space for that i mean obviously yeah. we want to do it with as much kindness as we can but at the same time you got to be real I want to ask you one more question, um, because on the opposite side of that coin, where do you see three areas in your life, in your career, 
that you feel that you could improve on? Where would those three areas be that you feel that would assist you in moving forward? I need to be bold. That's I interesting you say that. Why do you say that? I don't see you as not a bold person. Do you because if I was a piece of coal, I don't know if I'd ever turn into a diamond. You know, I have such a hard time moving myself out of these comfort zones. As we mentioned earlier, I've played me and my guitar forever. And I want to play me and my guitar for the rest of my life. Right. Okay. Because I can't keep tempo to save my life. I can't do it. Um, I'm actually not a very, I'm a, I'm a very good guitar player, but I don't know anything about guitar. Right. As I said, I, I went to the guitar teacher for those three months and he taught me chords. And then I took those chords and found that transpose button on Ultimate Guitar and just went for it. <laughs> you move know? that capo. Just move yeah, that move capo. that capo. If I don't have a capo, I can play two songs. That's it. <laughs> I really know that there's a lot of things in my in my career that I need to grow into, that I need to step up and put my my big girl panties on and go and do it. You know, so that's a huge thing with me is getting out of these comfort zones. Okay. Um, I think another thing would be just genuinely being more just more confident in myself mm-hmm. and being more comfortable um my first spelling test i ever took as a kid you know i got 100 on because i studied really hard and they weren't very hard words right. and um the kid next to me did not get 100 and he looked at me and he goes well you're garth's daughter so that's why you got 100 oh and I looked at him and I go, bro, you spelled bean wrong. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> but ever since I was a kid, yeah. aside from my parents, my parents have always been very sure. encouraging of us that we earn it and that we do it. And I've had a job since I was 12. You know, yeah. I've just, I've, we've, we've worked really hard, but I've, every time something big happens for me, that's my first thought is, well, who told them who I am or Well, maybe they did use it as promotion or maybe dad is over here tweeting when I'm not looking for people to go (laughs) listen to my stuff, you know, Um, which I know is not the case because he couldn't tweet if he tried. But (laughs) it's just I I need to be more confident in me and start thinking that God's moving me from room to room instead of dad, you know, because I've worked so hard to make sure that's true. I've worked so hard to go to sleep at night and know that God's the one moving me as a pawn, not some name or something that I have. And that's a really, really big weight on me. That's a really big issue that I have that I just need to get over, but I don't know how. We have to wind this up because you've been more than gracious to hang out longer. I know you could all night, but uh, you certainly, you know, and, um, I do have to ask you the guitar question. Do you uh, change your own strings? I change my own strings maybe twice a year. Oh. Uh, I give my brother 20 bucks every time I need him changed That's because right. he it, ain't got no money and I don't have the time. Dude, it was in tune when I bought it. It wasn't. Why? <laughs> what happened? Just keep taking it back, asking That's him what's right. wrong with it. Well, for me, it's all about Martin. I play Martin, so it's, I love my Martin guitar. And I love that. That's a great, great guitar. Uh, Ali Colleen, a pleasure. Uh, thank certainly. you so much for making the time, yeah. both of you, Kent and Mike. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it, and you've helped me a lot, and, and I really appreciate it. Ali Colleen, uh, oh. a musician, singer, songwriter, uh, blazing her own trail in Nashville and the world. We're going to see more of you. I know that. And uh, more is to come, maybe more tattoos as well. We don't know. Lots more. I got and, two legs. To go. <laughs> and Ken's got none, so Ken, you need to get busy. Plenty of tat <laughs> shops gonna, here in uh, LA. Send him the ones I want, and he's gonna there get. Go. Are, are tattoo shops closed? Are they yes. closed? They're closed, right? Yeah. yeah. 
All right, Ken, you get a pass. So. Oh, thank you. Well, Ken, listen. one day you'll have Jody Messina just tattooed Woo! on your back. Right. That's right. Right. Uh, Go can ahead. I say one thing? Sure. As we're wrapping up here, because I, I just that it's just kind of hanging in the air for me. I don't care how famous your dad, your mom, or anybody is. God's bigger than all of it. Yep. Amen. And there you go. And you know what? Even if that worst fear is coming true, that it's because of this or that, whatever, bottom line is when you walk into the room alley, the only reason you stay in that room is because of you. Yeah. It's your talent. It's your drive. It's your ambition. Yes. It's your hard work. It's everything you've poured into this. And all the beautiful things that are happening for you are because of you. And because of God. So thank you so much. Beautiful music and just congratulations. Great artist. Blazing her own trail, riding on no one's coattails, not even her own, probably, but uh, again, blazing her own trail. Uh, Allie, how do they follow you uh, on uh, social media and whatnot? Y'all can find me anywhere and everywhere at Allie Colleen Music. Um, that's all my handles Allie Colleen Music, A L L I E. C-O-L-L-E-N. My website's alleycolleenmusic.com. You can check out merch and tour schedules and all those kinds of things. And your music's on all the platforms, right? Anywhere, yeah. Anywhere you listen to music, um, you'll find you'll find me. So go yeah. for it. Search all you can. And definitely, folks, please support. She is amazing. Uh, Ken, another show in the can. You stepped in. And uh, well done, sir. I'm so glad you were available for this. Always will make myself available whenever I can for you, Mike. You're wonderful and again i love conversations and you're doing good work again another person doing purposeful work so thank you and thank you always a pleasure to be a part of this and again what a, an incredible pleasure to get a chance to meet you ali and thank awesome you. just wonderful it's always just a conversation we know that hey uh don't forget our next show is on the 19th glory joy rose uh she was in uh this is us she is an actress here in Southern California. She'll be joining me with our returning guest, Gabby Graves. So check that out on the 19th of uh, this month. Hey, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Conversations Radio. I got it right that time. <laughs> <laughs> this is Conversations Radio. So long. Mm-hmm.